Hello and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. And I hope everyone's having a happy Tuesday because it was a pretty nice, solid weekend for the Cats coming into Cincinnati, going into the Cinta Center, pulling out a very big W over those Musketeers. But even though it was that big and it was that fun to watch, unfortunately, the pollsters had other ideas because Villanova stayed at number three, Xavier stayed at number four. And for some reason, we had one team go up a bunch of spots for beating Clemson. And we're about to put them on blast right now. And that's the Duke Blue Devils. Try Yeah, it's ridiculous. Duke Duke was what, like 12, 13 going into the weekend. They beat Clemson, mid-level team. They were just, they were like one spot behind Duke and then they shoot up eight spots. It's absolutely unbelievable how much the pollsters love Duke. And it just seems that year in and year out, we always get that week where it's like, oh, how the heck did Duke get back up there? And it's weeks like this that it just all flips on its head. It makes no sense at all, considering how last week you had Virginia lose to the likes of Virginia Tech, and they take the top spot. Now you have Duke beating Clemson, and I'll, do they have any prominent players? I can't name a single one. Jared Blossom game graduated last year, so I don't even know who's on that team right now. No, it, it's it's a team of no names for sure, but they're they're still a good team, Clemson. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, does it really warrant a eight-spot jump? And like, I guess the teams in front of them lost, but I, I guess – a whole eight spots, it's absolutely ridiculous. And also, if we're going off AP logic, shouldn't Villanova be number one? They lost this week, and it was on the road, so technically they should be one. I don't know. I guess there's the Big East rules, and then there's <laughs> rules for uh, Power 5 conferences, and then there's everyone else who just gets a pass, apparently. Yeah, apparently so. It's 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 a little crazy. It's, uh, you would think that Villanova losing on the road at Providence, they would get a little more credence to than losing at home to uh, Virginia Tech. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if you saw that Jeff Borzello article that just came out yesterday. I think it was yesterday morning. Yeah. And it was basically on how we why we should respect Villanova and the Big East. Great article, great column. But the comments, the replies to the tweet <sighs> on social media, horrendous. People still ragging, hating on the Big East. Yeah, and a lot of those replies were all like, oh, you know, if you take away Villanova's national championship here, the, they, they haven't made it out of the round of 32 since 2009. I'm like – so what? They won the national championship. Duke has been guilty of it, especially Duke. They lost to Lehigh and Mercer in the round of 64. Last year, they lose to South Carolina. They're just as bad as it is as us. And then if you really want to go even farther back, Kansas had the same issue for years when they were losing to the likes of Bradley in the first round. Yeah, they won the national championship in 08, but then they couldn't even correct the ship years after when they were losing to UNI in the on the 32. All the top blue blood programs are guilty of it at some point. I don't understand why Villanova is the the main culprit in this. It makes no sense whatsoever. It seems like everyone else gets to get a pass. I know that right now people still think that the new Big East is a joke, but I don't get it. I don't get it why, especially, you know, in recent years, the whole article column was focused on the last five years specifically but duke had some pretty bad first weekend losses in that time span yeah it wasn't pretty yeah no exactly it's it's absolutely ridiculous and and then you also have replies saying like you said like oh you know the new big east is a joke and that's why villanova has been able to propel themselves well you, no that's that's simply untrue i mean yeah the big east hasn't had ex- exactly the best tournament success in the past couple of years, but they're still producing pretty damn good teams. You had the Doug McDermott Creighton teams. You had the Seton Hall team that won the Big East tournament a couple of years ago with those four sophomores that really should have done damage. But, you know, they had to play in the altitude of uh, Colorado against Gonzaga, but that's neither here nor there. But they've still had – they've the Big East has produced some great competition and it's constantly ranked higher in RPI than, like, the Pac-12. 
Meanwhile, Gonzaga climbs up to number six, and while Gonzaga is you know, a perennial tournament team, they do very well. Mark Few does a great job. I don't think he's missed the tournament at all since taking over in 99. They do a great job, but they're in the West Coast Conference, but no one grows the West Coast Conference or Gonzaga. No, no one discounts Gonzaga's accomplishments because they play in the West Coast Conference. Right, and it's weird, too, because like, I feel like years ago they used to do that, but now all of a sudden like they don't, and Gonzaga really had they they had a couple good runs. I mean, in our year 2016, they made it to I believe it was the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. So they they have done damage in the tournament. But yeah, they don't they don't get the same criticism that Villanova does with regards to the Big East being a joke. You, you play in the WCC and they're just as bad. And you're playing St. Mary's or freaking Portland every other night. Yeah, it makes it no sense. Haters gonna hate, but hey, it was a pretty good weekend overall. I will say though, when it comes to March. I- as Jay Wright has always taken that approach, we, you know, we'll let our game speak for itself. Yeah. As much as, like, hogwash, <laughs> I used yeah. to think it was. In that national championship run, I was totally proven wrong. They were asked five million times, and I still think that's underestimating how many times they're asked, like, oh, what about the first weekend? What about the round of 32 losses? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? And for about 12 months, they just totally deferred answering that question until, obviously, it took care of business against Iowa then just never stop winning from there. We'll see what happens in March, but let's just talk about this big win against the Muskies. I said it. I was wrong about one half. Trayvon Blewett did have more than 12 points. I did think that. <laughs> and there was a yeah, second, though, in the second half where I was like, oh, my God, is Xavier really about to just come back after that crazy shellacking they took in the first half? Mm-hmm. But no. Villanova won, and it was by over a dozen. They won 95-79. to 79. Big matchup of three versus four in the Centos Center, rocking environment. But those Xavier fans were kept pretty quiet for really, I'd say maybe what, like 70% of the game? Yeah, it, it, for sure. And especially in the first half where you know we came out absolutely firing. And that was exactly the type of start we needed. And it's funny, too, because we, we've been – I was completely wrong with saying Villanova was going to lose this game. And I, I was really doom and gloom, and I listened back to the last episode. And I was like, man, I was really pessimistic about this. I was like, oh, we lost the Big East. The season's over, all that. And it's funny how one win like this can just absolutely turn my mindset around because now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this team right now. Yeah, it was an excellent win. You had everyone in the starting five for Nova Eclipse double digits gigantic performances from Mikhail Bridges, but definitely, definitely Dante DiVincenzo coming in. 21 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, only had one turnover and was just one rebound and a dime away from getting that triple-double. Bridges was fantastic himself with 25 points, shooting 10 of 15 on the floor. And everyone else, too. You had the other three starters chip in 11 apiece. Mm-hmm. Colin Gillespie had a nice game off the bench. Yes, he did. There was really nothing uh, except for that second half start. Sure. Or, yeah, yeah. That, that was very scary. I honestly thought that Xavier was going to mm-hmm. come back and really make it a game again. But, yes, no, outside sure. of that, Nova was fantastic. They played pretty well. Yeah, and we've been harping on it all year about how this team has to get off to a good score, especially on the road in the most hostile environment and against the, probably the best team we've played in the Big East so far. And they did absolutely that, hitting three after three. And it was spearheaded by the two guys you mentioned, Bridges and DiVincenzo. And look, they were hitting the shots, so I had no issue with the shot selection. In a game where you're missing, like against St. John's and Providence, yeah, you're going to have issues with those shots. But when you're making them, I had no issue with it. I thought they played pretty well. And then defensively, they played pretty well in the first half. Second half was a little uh, suspect, but in the first half, they did it exactly enough. And I honestly thought that with the way that first half went, I was just like, 
you know, it's you feel like Xavier's got another run in him, but you didn't think they'd get that close. Yeah, it was getting a little tight there. What did they trim it down to, like three? They were within one possession at yeah. several points throughout the game, mainly uh, spearheaded by your boy Blewett. Yeah, I blew that part. But, yes. I mean, everything else, I was so calm. I, I'm telling you, Chris, I was very confident that Nova was going to go into Sintas and just smack them, which they did for the most part. Blewett did go off, scoring 26 points. He had a pretty solid game. J.P. Makura had 14, Quentin Gooden with 10, and Najee Marshall with 11. But other than that... Uh, I'll be honest, I was not too impressed with no. the Musketeers. I thought Villanova just had their number all throughout the first half. They shot the lights out from deep. Xavier couldn't really connect, only going 6 of 17 from long range. Total contrasting aspects of the game for both teams. I know you talked about it a little bit in which you said this is the kind of win that makes you feel good about the team, that, oh, the season's not over. I never really felt like the season was over, but when we lost twice in one week, I thought it was just more of like a little slump, and I think it's good that they were able to get out of the slump with this. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of harkens back to last week where uh, our boy Jerry Quinn asked us, would you rather have this win? Yeah. <laughs> would you rather beat the good teams and then lose to the bad ones? And honestly, now that it's actually happened for one week, I'll take it. Because, look, you were looking at the Providence loss, and, it's, it's, and you beat Xavier – the same week, honestly, it's no harm, no foul at all. But yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about Xavier's players a little bit. JP Makura, he had 14, but it did not feel like that. He had those two opening threes, which I kind of felt like was a player in 2K where they just automatically hit their first shot if they're just relatively open. I always feel like that's the case. But then other than like the and one toward the end, and he really didn't do much. Obviously, Bluewick got his. And then Gooden, he had that really nice behind the back pass. But other than that, I didn't really feel he contributed that much to Xavier's effort. I mean, I, I know he put up 10 and I feel like Xavier fans were really happy with his performance, but I, I didn't really feel that traumatized by his play. But going back to Villanova, I think we got to give credit where credit's due. Colin Gillespie had a fantastic game off the bench. And I know we can talk about defense chances near triple-double and Bridges' uh, return to grace because they both had great games in their own right. And honestly, the rest of the starting five did as well. But Gillespie, I have to say, he hit the big shots when you needed them, and I think none bigger than that Pascal chase down to the kick out to the open three Gillespie on the wing, where in the possession before, he had missed a similar shot on the opposite wing, but he had enough guts to take it again, and he drilled it, and I thought that was basically the dagger. Definitely, definitely. I was very impressed with CG and his 23 minutes off the bench. I thought he took very smart shots, didn't really force anything. Yes. But Dante DiVincenzo was just all over the place. Yes, he was. And he had the, the one play that sticks out to me was the one on a, it was early in the first half. It was on a breakout. It was basically a two on two. And he found Spellman on a hell of a bounce pass that even Len Elmore, who, you know, was terrible this game. Anyway, <laughs> terrible very, very suspect. Yes. And we'll get into the uh, we'll even get into the refs. Oh, they yes. were also we, we, we got to get into that as well. But he found him on a great pass and to Spellman for the one-handed flush. And I was like, all right, you know what? They actually came to play today. And, you know, Dante, he does some things great and some things bad. And it's usually a trade-off. But when he's cooking and he's working in a game where he's not really doing anything terrible, it's a wonderful thing to watch. Yeah, when Dante DiVincenzo is cooking, that is it. Dante's Inferno has reached peak, peak, peak temperatures. And he is not cooling off from there and we saw that in against St. John's at the Garden and we now saw that again against Xavier on Saturday total shellacking Villanova shot over 60% on the floor 47% from deep mm-hmm. hit 16 threes but let's talk about those refs the refs oh, were hating the refs oh, were hating especially in that second half run uh there were so many things where I just kind of face palm and I was like I don't know about that I don't know about that the, the one play that stuck out to me was that uh, Brunson 
blocking foul and blew its and one that got them within one possession. I was like, how is that not a charge? And if anything, how was that a block? Brunson was set for like a good few seconds there. And he just, he took the hit, went down and the shot went in. So, but but no, they got to give it to the crowd because they've been on their back all game. And then you had that. I don't know if you were able to hear it through your uh, stream or whatever you were watching on, but did you hear the lady in the background of the Fox broadcast that it was picking up her, her yelling and she was on the refs every single play. I wanted to wring her neck. It was absolutely ridiculous. And Fox did nothing about it. The whole game, she kept going. It was just like, lady, shut up, <laughs> please. And the worst was on the Pascal chase down. She's like, are you guys kidding me? I'm just like, oh man, you could have had a highlight tape for her. I did notice it. I did also mute my volume after a while because I just couldn't take Elmore and Fox. But when, yeah, she was definitely one of those fans or one of those parents at like middle school games yes, yes. or like the little league games. The one that ruined it all. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or the one where, you know, whenever Villanova has it, it's a travel. Yes. Whenever they shoot the ball there, there was a missed traveling call or right. something. Mm-hmm. And then if Trayvon Blewett gets a contested shot, that's a that's foul. A foul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing. And it's not like they got a game handed to him against Creighton the week before or anything. Nope, not at all. So it's just it's just amazing how short-term memory works. And also, they, they complained about every walk. Like, anything oh, that resembled yeah. a walk, they called. Guys, come on. Like, can't you just let them play? There wasn't, like, one walk out there that was egregious. The only walk that wasn't called that was so egregious was when Makira had one shot under the basket. It was in sometime in the second half. I don't remember what the score was. But he literally took a bunny hop with the ball. Didn't shoot it, and they didn't call it. And I was just like, come on. You're going to let let the crowd influence you so much that you're not going to call that? That was pretty blatantly obvious. But thankfully, you know, we hit the big shots when it mattered. I thought Amari had a great game at the end where he hit two dagger threes to put this game away and basically not even let Xavier sniff a chance of winning towards that end of the game. Yeah, just before we finally pack this up, looking at the free throw discrepancy, I mean, Villanova only went to the line five oh, yeah. times, <laughs> only took five foul shots, and then Xavier gets 22. Like, come on. Yeah, come it, on. Yeah, it's kind of bad. And, like, a lot of people were like, well, you know, well, Villanova shot a lot of threes that game, so obviously they're not going to shoot two free throws. But Villanova was in the bonus. Xavier was in the bonus before Villanova, and then when Villanova was in the bonus, they still weren't shooting free <laughs> throws. Like, Villanova got to the bonus. It wasn't like they weren't calling them. So it's just unbelievable. that the, the discre- I've never seen such a discrepancy. And, and usually it, it we see a discrepancy like that and it's usually favoring us, to be fair. But at the same time, in a game like this, you don't want to see that at all. And especially when, when we were in deep foul trouble, basically an entire game where Bridges, I hate to say it, had some stupid fouls where it was like, dude, like, come on, like, just let him go up with it. Don't need to hack him. Pascal with the, with the bad one on the fluid four-point play. And then Spellman eventually fouled out toward the end of the game, but it really didn't matter at that point. But yeah, it was it was a really weird game foul-wise and free-throw-wise. and But still, even with that huge discrepancy, Villanova won by freaking double digits. Yeah, and while it did get tight, and I was probably the only time in the game where I was legitimately scared of what was going to happen, mm-hmm. but it was good to see Villanova pull away again after that surging start to the second half for, by the Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Great, great game by Dante Vincenzo. That can't be said enough. I mean, come on. The guy was he was one rebound and one assist away from having a triple-double. So next up for the Cats, they will take on the DePaul Blue Demons. Um. Let's be honest. <laughs> We're not going to do a statistical breakdown. We're, that's just not going to happen. That's not an efficient use of time. I might be totally jinxing this just because they recently beat Providence at the dunk, which we had our own yeah. problems. Yeah, I mean, I would have never thought. Like, if there was a team to beat them, I would have thought it would have been us and not 
DePaul. Yes. But hey, well, here we are. They'll take on the Blue Demons tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. Oh. And we're going to be on FS1, so it's good to see us getting, getting our props on there. Yes, but at the same time, it's an 8.30 start. Just, uh, I like to say, when, you, when you're starting games at 8.30, you realize how much you missed the 6.30, 7, 7 o'clock starts. Oh, yeah, especially when it's against DePaul. So with DePaul, when they're not trying to instigate fights with Desi Rodriguez, when they're not taking L's, but they are getting the, those random dubs. They always get one. Yeah, yeah they always get one, and it might be the one against Providence. Hopefully no more, especially not against us. Please not against us. Yeah. But we will be hosting them at the Wells Fargo Center. And let me tell you, the big news here is not Eli Kane. It's not Mayor <laughs> Marich. It's not Dave Lato. The big news here is if you saw Bill Booth's Instagram, sounds like he's coming back. He should be back. I think they were talking about on the broadcast against Xavier that the cast was off. I think yeah. it's officially off now. That This is the main storyline for Villanova. And what a perfect game to work him back in. You can ease him back in uh, against DePaul. You don't have to give him – if you want to start him, go ahead. Maybe you don't have to give him 30-plus minutes right off the bat. You can ease him in. It's a perfect game to go up against and, and get his get his, the game flow back so that you have him ready for the weekends when you have an actual real tough game at Creighton coming up. Saturday. So yeah, this is uh this is great news to hear. And uh, finally we could have a fully healthy team again. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. The whole team is here. The squad is finally all together after what, since like December, January? Yeah. 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 I think it was the, the Paul game where it all started to go to crap. Oh yeah, because Jermaine Sanders was the first one with a broken hand. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think he'll definitely hit double digits. It is definitely the perfect game for him to work back. As we mentioned, we are in the middle of this tough road game stretch. Right now, we get a little break with playing DePaul at home. A very nice, much-needed break. But then after that, we've got Creighton on the menu and, of course, Seton Hall. Yes. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> but so far in this road trip, we are 1-1. One one. Split it between Providence and Xavier. Honestly, if you had to pick one or the other, you'd probably definitely take the Xavier yeah. game over Providence 100 out of 100 times. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this is a much-needed well, I'd say a, like a nice break before we go back into the rigors, into going to play at two really tough arenas. And it's good to have Phil Booth back. I think it's going to do a lot for the team morale. Everyone's excited. Nova Nation's excited. Team's excited. Jay's excited. And I think it's going to be a really fun thing to see him come back against DePaul on Wednesday because it's going to be a beatdown. <laughs> at least I will confidently say that. Uh, if we lose, I'll I take full so. responsibility. Yes, you should. But yes, I – I really hope that with Booth back, you, you, we like to see a full offense. We like to see a complementary defense, too. I want to see how the defense responds to Phil Booth being back. I want to see if really the, the lapses in the defense, and I know we've had them all year, even when Phil Booth was playing, but I felt like it was these errors were much more egregious when he was out. But with him back, I want to see how the defense responds against the DePaul offense, which is, you know, eh, it's not really exactly the best. But at the same time, I want to see how it responds. I want to see Phil Booth. I want to see if he – has that shooting stroke back because he was it felt like every every game before he went out he had like 20 points a game and it was he was really cooking and i want to see if he can get that type of style back offensively as well yeah for sure once again tip off is at 8 30 p.m and if, for those of you who will not be at the wells fargo center it'll be on fox sports one broadcasting live from philly if you looked at espn's matchup predictor Villanova's got a nice solid 98.4 percent chance of winning i'm surprised it's not 99.5 
But hey, that's neither here nor there. We'll take what we can get. The poll's coming in. And uh, if you haven't read it, there's actually this very interesting column going around from the Chicago Tribune on how the Paul fans are so fed up. And honestly, you can only just feel for them because they've just botched the coaching search over and over and over again. And I, I remember when the Hurley brothers were like in consideration before they chose Dave Lato. And now you uh, you probably heard the rumor mills chugging again, and Dave yeah. Lado is apparently gone at the end of this year. Yeah, it's amazing, and they can't keep a coach for several years. And then, like you said, like they try to go out and find a new one, someone who actually looks promising. They can't even close the deal on that. And then they just had the the freaking uh, debacle with that one top end recruit. I don't remember his name, but he was yeah. he was ba- he was basically he put his pen to paper and signed his name for DePaul, and then the next day he was he's going elsewhere. Yeah, Tiger Campbell, four star guard. And it would have been a, such a big recruiting win. And then I think it was before this season when he was like, oh, JK, I'm going somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, LOL, JK, and peace out. It's ridiculous. And the Pauls in Chicago, you have such a hotbed for basketball there. Oh, yeah, one of the best basketball and, cities around. And you can't get anyone. It's just, a, just one. Like, that's all you can ask for, really, if you're them, just to get some some momentum for the program. And they can't get one. And, I, and honestly, like you said, I think it just stems from the coach not having a set coach for years and then when they do try to get one it's just it just falls by the wayside so are you telling me billy garrett jr was not the messiah <sighs> nope him and his 33 percent shooting they uh not exactly the best <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye out for the cats tomorrow night i'm predicting a win and then we can focus on important matters on the road but for now let's transition over to the lady cats they just wrapped up their final away trip of the season, and they had some real tough competition. Going up against Marquette on Friday and then DePaul on Sunday, the top two teams in the conference, you had two with Marquette and then number one with DePaul. And unfortunately, they couldn't pull away with a win. It was a real rough go with the Golden Eagles, and it was a little better with DePaul. But, you know, it's two tough teams in the conference, yeah. the best. I mean, we already were able to get that one win against DePaul, which will look very good for March. Yes. Obviously, it's one of those where it's like you want to win one more. Right. But just at safe. the end of the – yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. Exactly. And Marquette just, Mar- Marquette just matches up very well with Villanova on their end. They just absolutely wreck Villanova every time they play. And especially Erica Davenport, she put up 16 points – for the Golden Eagles. Natisha Hyman, she ha- she was the leading scorer for Marquette. She dropped 26 of her own. Just, and as a result, they were able to spearhead their way to a 90-69 to 69 victory. At the end of the first, you're like, oh, well, Villanova's hanging in there, 17-17. But then Marquette pulled away with a good enough second quarter and third quarter, and then they just absolutely laid the hammer on them in the fourth quarter, outscoring them 31-17. to 17. And Villanova really didn't stand the shot on the road. Like you said, this is this is the top team in the Big East, like or one of the top teams in the Big East. It's going to be really hard to go on the road against a team that matches up so well against you, a team that has notorious for having big uh, big players where you're more of a shooting team. And on top of that, you didn't shoot all that well. You went 7-31 to 31 from deep. That, that's basically a death sentence right there for them. Yeah, but Villanova, while they do match up not so well against the bigger teams, especially against Marquette, who has mm-hmm. such a loaded roster between Davenport and Alizai Blockton, who a lot of people will think will be the biggest player of the year, or at least preseason-wise. Honestly, it could probably go to either. There's just so yeah. they're just they're so, so deep. Yeah, and when you're not, when those threes aren't falling, threes aren't dropping, shots aren't dropping. It's Game just over. not a good look. 
And even though Alex Lewin was able to have a solid game with 20 points, and then you had Megan Quinn adding 10, the only other player in double digits. Well, there was also Mary Gadeka. But if the threes aren't falling for such a perimeter-dominant team like Villanova against such a big forward-centric squad like Marquette, mm-hmm. it's just going to spell trouble. And it's going to be a long day, and that's exactly what ended up happening in the second half. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and especially when you're not getting to the free-throw line either. And then you're shot nine free throws in a day. I mean, same with Marquette, but at the same time, like you said, you got to hit those threes. That's featured every single time we talk about this team, that they got to hit the threes to even stand a shot against these tougher teams. And when you're not, it's just it's just a bad, bad day. There was a tough stretch coming up with Marquette and then the Paul, which we'll touch on just now. So it's uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened there uh, shooting-wise. But, I mean, look, you're – you're technically supposed to lose to Marquette, so it's not the worst thing in the world. Go out on Sunday and then go up against the Paul, which they did, and they gave them a valiant effort. Yeah, with the Paul, it, it was one of those where Marquette is just a tough team against Villanova. Mm-hmm. We got smashed by them at home and then got smashed on the road. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of hope, you know, even though we didn't get this one, maybe we'll get another one from DePaul. Maybe sweep them in the regular season. Fortunately, that didn't happen as the Lady Cats fell to the number 24-ranked team. 71 to 66. It was a pretty close game until the Paul yeah. pulled away in the fourth quarter. They just got a few baskets, got ahead, and then from there, Villanova was just playing catch up and ultimately couldn't catch them. Just looking at DePaul, you had a great game from Ashton Millinder with 19 points and Amara Coleman, who gave Villanova a bit of trouble last time, but she also had 15 points. She recently hit the 1,000 career point mark and she just kind of continued with another big performance. About this game, what was notable was no Adriana Hahn. Cameron Onkin, a redshirt freshman, came in due to injury for Hahn. Hope we're hoping it's nothing serious. Obviously, you know, you know how teams are. They don't really disclose too much. No. Yeah, that's for sure. Just looking at Villanova's side, you had Kelly Jaycott adding 17 points. Alex Lewin with 13 points, seven rebounds. And then Jana Tucker and Mary Gadeka with 12 points each. Mary Gadeka has been fantastic. We applauded her I think it was last time or a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. which how she's just this consistent spark plug. Score. Yeah, spark plug right off the bench. And she's just continuing to do that, just hitting double digit consistently. Very good for her. But this DePaul team, they learned from their mistakes the last time. Villanova just blew them out at home, and it was clear that they were not going to let that happen again. They did, but Villanova had the lead going into the fourth quarter. They, they – we're down at first, the end of the first, able to take a lead into the end of the first half. And then in the third quarter, they outscored them by two. And then in the fourth, they just had an absolute collapse defensively, allowing 20 points the most DePaul scored in any quarter. And then offensively, they went cold. And again, they only shot eight of 25 from deep. Not exactly the best percentage. You got to shoot better than that to even stand a shot against these teams. And yeah, I know you blew out DePaul at home, but you, you can't expect the same performance again from a very good DePaul team. DePaul had a game on Friday at home against Georgetown, and they ended up losing that. DePaul was very vulnerable in this game. They were probably playing tight because they figured you can't lose both games at home to Two, I know Georgetown's not as good as Villanova, but two middle-of-the-pack teams in, in terms of the Big East, that would have been devastating for their Big East tournament and for their tournament chances as well. So, I mean, good for them to be able to spearhead a fourth-quarter comeback. I'm not exactly sure what the heck happened there with uh, with Villanova. It's a shame that they couldn't put a bow at the end of a, could, what could have been a good weekend. Yeah, certainly. Tanita Allen just killed Villanova in the fourth quarter, helping DePaul pull away. She came off the bench with nine points. Didn't do too much, but she hit the big baskets when it mattered most. Villanova is now 20-7, and 10-6 in the Big East. Two more games coming back home. 
with Providence first and then Creighton this weekend. You have senior night mixed in between. It's going to be a pretty good game. Two good games, really, because Providence was a team that was beating Villanova, even though they're not exactly the best. They were beating Villanova until the second half, and Villanova just went on a fierce comeback. And then you have Creighton, which just blew Villanova out of the water when they yes. played at DJ Sokol Arena down there in Omaha. Now they'll get a chance at revenge and senior night at stake. Villanova has, is at that 20-win mark. We've talked about how that's, like, nice, but yes. just a few more. A few yes. more would be nice when it comes to the NCAA tournament conversation. Yes, absolutely, and we'll talk about these games on Thursday, but if you you got the highly emotional senior night coming up, you should be able to win that one at home. It's two very winnable games, both at home. You should be able to pull these off, get the 22 wins, and then who knows what can happen in the Big East tournament. Maybe you get one win in there, and you're sitting pretty for the tournament. I think that I'm liking their chances. We'll keep an eye on for those. And like Chris said, we'll talk about those on Thursday as we get closer to the weekend. But for now, it's that time of day where we crack open the mailbag, read some tweets, go through some questions that you, the fans and the listeners, have sent to us. We got a few to go through. We got a good amount, actually, now I'm looking at this. As always, you can tweet us at Pod with your questions or anything you want us to discuss, and we will get to them on the show. You can also leave other discussion topics in a podcast thread on viewhoops.com in the comments section, and we will get to those. For now, we've got a good amount of questions for yes. today. The first one is from Tom Fumble. Do you think Quarterly sticks around for a few years, or will he be a one-and-done? you got to think he's got to be around for a while, at least two years, maybe to allow you out, but I think that's like worst-case scenario, at least as a fan perspective. I think he's probably a three- to four-year guy at I haven't seen him play. You've seen him play. He just brings a, a type of vibe that I feel like he become a great point guard and lead this team for four years, I feel like. Yeah, I think Quarterly will be at least here for two years. I can see three, yeah. honestly. I think right now where he stands, he's only six feet tall, 170. That's not exactly big, no. especially if we're talking NBA. And as talented as he is, I don't know if we're looking at one and done. No. I don't think that's in the cards. No, no, no. I would say the minimum is two. Like, I could totally see him leaving after two, like uh, Kyle Lowry did. But three, I don't know if he'll stay the whole way, if his dream's the NBA and he loves that so much. I just want to know how he's going to handle Jelly Fam. I feel like, you know, Villanova <laughs> is all about team and not, you know, not the individual stuff. I would love yeah. to see how Jay and the program through Jelly Fam will be like, look, this has to stop, or like, you got to like tone this down a little bit. It's going to be very interesting. I feel like he's going to give free reign to it at first until he does something freshman stupid, and then it's the end of that. Yeah, like, tries to Jelly Fam on Kamar Baldwin, and then Kamar Baldwin is like, no. No, just no. no. Good try, though. Good try. Appreciate the effort, kid. Yeah, no jelly. No jelly there. Yeah. At Hinkle. Game tied. Oh yeah, <laughs> Baldwin blocks it, breaks it up, uh, brings it up. It's a game-winning three. Yeah, I don't. I think that'd be the end of Jelly Fam. But I think I think Jay will embrace it. I think it'll bring a new attitude to the team. Yeah, I know the fans are definitely hyped. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm hyped. hyped. I'm hyped on Jelly. I'm, I'm all about the Jelly. I'm all about the Jelly too. Now that I'm educated with mm-hmm. these all these young kids and their hip lingo. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 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 ready for the PB and Jay show. Gotta make it happen. Booth, we didn't make that happen before someone else does. Before like VTV yeah. gets it. Yes. Yeah. Next question is from Mike Jacobs. Which current Wildcat is most likely to win a Winter Olympic medal? In what sport? Well, the first one that came to mind for me was Mikael Bridges ski jumping. Hmm. And that's just because I feel like he'll just fly away. He'll just fly. And he'll just glide. He'll just glide and he'll have the farthest jump by far. I mean, that's not really creative at all, but what do you got to say? That is pretty good. That is, I didn't even think about that, actually. 
But my mind went straight to the bench mob. I can totally see the bench mob owning curling or oh, bobsled. Four man oh, bobsled. Well, they'd be idea. perfect for four man bobsled or curling. You know, you got three guys, and then the fourth guy could be the coach. But I could totally see them owning one of those two sports. That's a great idea. No, I I would love to see a curling competition with between bench mobs in yeah. the Big East. Yeah, Peyton Heck, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I've curling. learned? Those curling, those uh, curling stones are 45 pounds each. They're that heavy. They don't look like it at all. No, they don't because they just kind of glide across the ice. Yeah. Just kind of push. Yeah. But, yeah. No, that's great. What if what if they had like their own little curling tournament like in the pavilion? Or well, I know they were working on it, but when Jake Nevin, we get the little brooms out. Come on, that'd be fun. Uh, you know, especially in the main line, like I would not be surprised if there was a curling club somewhere yeah, around there. Gotta be. Yeah, it's gotta be. Come Winter on, sports complex. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Bill, get get on that. <laughs> Another question from Mike Jacobs. President's Day with apostrophe s. President's Day with s apostrophe or President's Day OG style no apostrophe. Discuss. Is he asking for an, a correct grammatical interpretation? I guess yeah. I guess or like we have what we feel it should be. You take this. I'm not really going with the I'm going grammar with, here. I'm going with President's Day without the apostrophe because you say Veterans Day, but is there an apostrophe? I haven't, I haven't seen veterans in the calendar with an apostrophe. Neither have I. You make you bring up a great point. Boom! I, I don't think there is. There is none. Yeah, isn't no, it just is Veterans none. Day? Yeah, it's yeah. just – yeah. So it would be President's Day without the apostrophe. It's just President's Day is a day off for me. Thankfully, I appreciate it. So um, you can spell it however you want. It's fine. Yeah, I got to enjoy the long weekend. That was a nice. Yes. But yeah, I'm all for President's Day without the apostrophe. Well, according to Google, it is with the apostrophe S. Apostrophe S, not the S apostrophe. Do you celebrate Father Peter on President's Day? He is a president. He is a president. Not, not of the United States of America, but he no, is a no, president. No, no, he is a president. I guess you got to work him in somehow. Mm-hmm. This is the same nomination you That is true. Mm-hmm. Father Peter. He's the president of our nomination. Oh, yes, he is. Yes, 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 he is. There he is. Mike, let us know what you think. Is it apostrophe S or should it? Well, I don't know. I know Google says that, but in the calendars I've seen, it's just been S, no apostrophe. Yes. But, you know, Mike, let us know what you what you think it is. We'll, we'll be hearing from you on the Slack chat as you commute to work. Next question is from Fred Rung. Will Dylan Painter, in fact, carry us on his back for another national title next year? If Dylan Painter is doing the carrying, we are in great shape. <laughs> if he's the one who's carrying us, God, well, that team must be amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. That's fine. That's why he's redshirting this year, just, just to show everybody up his next year. He didn't want to reveal too much last year. So now he's having a retro year. He's going to develop his game. He's going to he's going to become a Mikel Bridges superstar just after one retro year, right? Yeah, he's just he was hustling everyone. You know, he yeah. came in there acting like he didn't know how to run straight yeah, or run like you know, Yeah, yeah, little weird gait yeah. as he ran or not being in the right positions for things. But no, he's totally been hustling. And I think you know I would love for him to be like a pick and pop guy, maybe like mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Anderson. I could totally oh, yeah. see him doing that. I'd be oh, down yeah, for sure. that. Yeah, just leave him in the corner the whole time. That's fine. Yeah. Okay with me. Yeah. Like a Larry Markinen. Well, maybe not. Larry Markinen's super tall. Oh, Arizona superstar Larry Markinen? 
Oh, you know, I just look at him as the Bulls. But, yeah, I guess he was an Arizona oh, yes. superstar. Yes. Well, how much money do you think he got now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Do you think – Do you think those jokes now? Yeah, do you think those recruiters were like, oh, well, he's international, so that does, he's not affected by these laws. That's okay. Oh, that's true. That's true. Or maybe the exchange rate helped uh, Arizona not pay him as much or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that also true. Yeah. Also true. All of a sudden you had uh, boosters giving generous donations mm-hmm. in Finnish dollars. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. As always, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on iTunes, and on Podomatic. Please check back at viewhoops.com. We have all your Villanova athletics needs, sports updates, everything and anything you want to discuss. And the comments section is always popping and can always use some new people. So please, please, please check it out if you haven't already or maybe you know you're a long time reader and a first time commenter go ahead go ahead and break the bubble and join the club it's a fun time over there at view hoops and you can follow it on social media at view hoops on twitter and on instagram it's a popping time there also and please follow me eugene repay at erepay5 and you can follow me chris stanzial at the stance man on twitter nova nation happy tuesday i hope you all had a great long weekend Let's just knock down this work week. Let's beat the Paul, and then we'll be talking some real business on the weekend.